All right, if you would, let's turn over to Proverbs 22 tonight. Proverbs 22, and we're going to be looking at just one verse this evening. Proverbs 22, verse number 12. Proverbs 22, verse number 12. The eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, and He overthroweth the words of the transgressor. We know, I think we at least we should know, and we just, by singing that previous hymn, we know that the Lord is sovereign. Sovereignty is a deep well. Sovereignty is a, a deep place that we often are left asking many questions. Well, what about this? Is He sovereign over this affair of life? Is He sovereign over this event of life? The Lord is certainly sovereign. He's also aware. He's aware of all things. He remembers all things. And I have to say that He doesn't remember like you and I remember things because He doesn't forget. He doesn't have to bring something up to to recall. So we're talking about attributes of God that are far above what humans can even get to. But because he's aware, and because he's sovereign, and because he knows all things, he also observes that which is to be judged. So in his judgment, as the world is to be judged, whatever he judges is right. However he judges is right. Notice that it says the eyes of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord gives us the indication here of his omniscience. Omniscience is to know all things. Again, the word know, the word knowledge is a word that we, again, we think along these terms is in our humanity. We think about what do we know? What we know is because we've learned it. God doesn't learn. God doesn't go through a learning process to know. But the eyes of the Lord are omniscient. He knows, he sees and sees through everything. Now that in and of itself is quite amazing that he sees through and knows everything. He sees the desperate attempts of mankind to eradicate the things of God, including the Word of God and the ministers of God from off the face of the earth. He sees that. He sees an attempt for that to take place. The enemy, the devil, of course, along with his angels and his demons, if possible, would eliminate all knowledge about who God is. Now, again, as I said, if he could do that, he can't do that. But if he could, he would eradicate the knowledge of God. He would eradicate our ability to know who God is. However, what God is doing in his omniscience and what he's doing in his sovereignty and in his... his uh, perseverance, if you will, his preserving of this knowledge, he is guaranteeing that the knowledge of him will never cease. Oftentimes we become very encumbered and worried about will God's word come to an end? We ask questions like, well, what if, uh, what if God's word doesn't reach its intended target? What if the knowledge of God doesn't get where it's supposed to be? What if we don't take it there? <clears throat> 
He makes sure, by the preservation of knowledge, he makes sure that the knowledge about who he is will never, ever, ever be erased from this world. Uh, There's never going to be a day when we're going to look up and say, all knowledge of God is gone while we're here. He preserves this knowledge of himself through his providence. Now, providence is another large theological word. It's, It's about as deep as sovereignty. Uh, providence is God's, again, his working and his actions. How do we know about God? We know about God because God's given us knowledge of him. He gives knowledge to his people. Despite every attempt throughout the generations and throughout the centuries to eliminate the Bible, eliminate the scriptures, eliminate believers, remove all all evidence of God, there's always been a knowledge of God on the earth. There was a knowledge of God when it was just Adam and Eve. There was a knowledge of God. There's always been a knowledge of God. There's never been a time in human history where there was not a knowledge of God on this planet. God has preserved this knowledge. That's what the writer here is talking about. That the eyes of the Lord in his omniscience, he has preserved knowledge so that there has always been a knowledge of God. Well, where do we get this knowledge? God gives it to us, certainly, but we get the knowledge of who God is through the Scripture. How do we get that knowledge? We get the knowledge of the Scripture, but we also, throughout every generation, there have been people who have proclaimed what the Word of God says. It is a continual passing on of knowledge. Now again, if you look at this verse with me, it says that the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge and he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. Again, like many of these Proverbs, it is a compare and contrast. A lot of these Proverbs in Proverbs 22 are divided with a comma. They have one thought and then there's a contrary thought or a thought that goes together with it. So what we see happening here is there's a promise that the Lord preserves the knowledge of himself and he overthrows the wicked attempts of those who would eliminate that knowledge. There is a coordinated, determined intent to remove the knowledge of God from this world. But the Lord preserves it. A couple of Bible verses that will kind of help us understand that this is not just one verse where we talk about the eyes of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 16.9 it said, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. His eyes run to and fro. Again, we're speaking and talking in the manner of men because we think about eyes and we think about eyes darting back and forth. This this is omniscience. This isn't he has to look in one direction to to get reference and then look in another direction and see something else. He sees all things equally at the same time. He has perfect knowledge. But notice that in Chronicles it says that he... His eyes run to and fro to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. 
In other words, this knowledge and this him, him showing himself is to those who love him and those who want to know him. Those who want to see him. Two verses from the book of Job. Job, uh, throughout that book, understood, at least had some grasp of the providence of God, the sovereignty of God, the omniscience of God, the omnipotence of God, the immutability of God. He had, he had a grip on all these things. He even had a, he had a, a grip on, on, on resurrection and on redemption. But notice what he said in Job 31.6. Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Now he's asking this in rhetorical question. He knows God can see his ways. He knows God can count all of his steps. Think about that for a moment. Think about the immensity of that. God counts the steps of every single person who's ever lived. And he knows exactly how many steps (laughs) they've taken. If I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. Job spoke in a more deep in a deeper fashion than most theologians can even relate to, just by what he was acknowledging there. Later in Job 34:21, he says, For his eyes are upon the ways of man and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. Now Job is on the other side of this coin. Now he says, not only does God see my steps as one who loves him and one who knows him, but his eyes are also on the ways of man and sees all of the iniquity of those who are attempting to undermine God. He sees their work, and there's nowhere they can hide. So the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. So our headings tonight are very simple. It's the verse. Heading one, the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge. Heading two, very simply, he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. So we've established tonight that the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge means that the omniscience and the providence of God, whose eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, this word preserve here specifically means to favor those who love knowledge. Now God's favor is what we all want. God's favor is what we all needed. God's favor is what we continue to need. We still need God's favor. We need God's favor every single day. But God preserves knowledge to those who love knowledge. Now, not knowledge in the academic sense, but the knowledge of Him. He delights in those who delight in Him. He delights in preserving knowledge to those who are His own. His providence is the very attribute that preserves the knowledge of Himself. Even among the heathens, even among unbelievers, in some measure, the Bible says that God has made known in them by manifesting himself to them and showing them. So that even the heathen, the unbeliever, is without excuse. Because he's made himself known. He's preserved that knowledge so that man can never say, I did not know that there was a God. 
So His providence preserves the knowledge of Himself. Secondly, His providence has preserved the Scriptures. The means of knowledge. The means in which men would have destroyed if it were possible. I didn't count today, and I don't have a number of this. I'm not sure we could even quantify it. But over the generations, how many times there's been an attempt to eradicate the world of the Scriptures of the Bible? What is the intent of that? That if I can do away with the Scriptures, if I can do away with the Holy Word, then the knowledge of God will cease and my accountability to God would be removed. You see, the worker of iniquity hates the Scriptures because the Scriptures tell him or her who they are. A sinner. That's why God's Word is hated. You and I, as believers, don't hate God's Word. We delight in God's Word. We love God's Word because we know it is a book, an inspired, inerrant book that teaches us about who He is. He's preserved the Scriptures. The very means of knowledge. Thirdly, His providence has preserved men of knowledge. Again, not in the academia sense, but rather those who minister the Word. Those who proclaim God's Word. Those who throughout generations have stood in pulpits and have stood in other places. Some have stood in open air. Some have stood in many places and they've proclaimed the knowledge. They've called millions of people to repent and believe the Gospel. They've called millions to look unto God. They've, they've called untold thousands of people, as Amos says, prepare to meet thy God. Confirming that there is a God. God's preserved people throughout every generation who would minister the Word. Fourthly, His providence also preserves the spiritual and the experiential knowledge in the hearts of His people. The spiritual aspect of it. The understanding of our eternity. The understanding of the, the, the finite end of our lives. Realizing we, we all have an end. We all have a time in our humanity that's going to cease to be. But there's also the experiential knowledge. We have truly experienced God. God's not to be approached as just someone we study like another historical figure. But rather, we have an experiential knowledge of who God is. He's proven Himself. He has showed Himself to us over and over and over again. And He will continue to do that. He will continue to increase our knowledge of Him. He will continue His Gospel and there will be a gospel ministry going throughout the whole world until all of the elect come to the unity of the faith. All that are called will come, and all will come to the knowledge of the Son of God. The unbeliever right now does not fully have a knowledge of the Son of God, but they will. Those that are called according to His purposes, those who are of the elect, who are called, will one day have a knowledge of who He is. He preserves that knowledge. 
and his omniscience, his all-knowing, and then his providential workings in our life. But notice again, that word means to look on with favor those who love knowledge. So his eyes not only observe all these things, but they look with delight and pleasure on those who know him and those who desire to do his will. God's knowledge reaches all creation to actually see what's happening. Every thought, every motive, every deed, every action, every step, God knows because there it's wide open before Him. Wide open. So when we're tempted in our life to say, there seems to be a waning away from the things of God, I'm concerned that the knowledge of Him might be eradicated from our society. God's preserving that knowledge. We, we do tend to exaggerate. And we, did, we do tend to overreact. We see something bad happen and we wonder, is, is God losing control? Has God let His hand off of something? And, and if this keeps going in this direction, uh, will we be in a 100% godless society? Here's what I can tell you, we'll never be in a 100% godless society as long as God's people are living in those societies. Now, you might remove God from every organization and you might remove God from every society in the world, but you are not going to remove a knowledge of Him because He's preserved the knowledge of Him through His Word. He's preserved the knowledge of Him through the ministers of the Word. He's preserved His knowledge in every believer who knows Him. Have you ever stopped to consider that God, that man can take your life, but they cannot take away your knowledge of God? They cannot remove it from you. They simply hope to erase it, but yet they can't do that. Now in the book of Proverbs, there's two other passages that deal, again, with the ways of man and the eyes of the Lord. Proverbs 5, verses 21 through 23 says... For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. His own iniquity shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. The way of even the most wicked man is before the eyes of the Lord. There is nothing unseen. He pondereth, again, pondering is to consider, to think about, speaking again as a manner of men, God doesn't have to think. <laughs> we think and consider, God doesn't have to think and consider, he knows all things, he doesn't have to reason through a scenario. He doesn't look at the world and, and look and say, now, now what do I do? He already knows all the goings. He sees everything that's happening. Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Personally, I'm glad about that. But I'm also a little bit frightened by that. Because the eyes are in every place. 
He beholds not only the evil of the worker of iniquity, but he beholds our evil. He beholds the sin that we commit. Remember, having a knowledge of God is having an understanding of who God is, and that God cannot a single time tolerate sin. So his eyes behold, even when the people who do know him and do have a love for him, he even sees and beholds our sin. These verses here, especially Proverbs 15, 3, speaks of God's presence. But specifically, God's presence to know, to act rightly, and to act faithfully. God has never acted wrongly. God has never acted unfaithfully. Ever. That's a pretty amazing thought. He's never once done wicked. Everything he does is right and just. Since God is omniscient, he knows all things, including all the actions and every word, every thought, every deed of every person who has lived, is living, and will live, and goes even deeper than that if that's not deep enough, he knows every intent. Every intent of the human heart, of every person who has lived, is living, will live, he knows it. 1 Peter 3, 2, going over to the New Testament. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now again, think about what Peter was writing there. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. You do not want the face of the Lord against you. This is a reference to facing the wrath of God facing the judgment of God. So we see in these verses that the special care that God takes to preserve knowledge, to keep his word in the world by keeping it among men in the scriptures, the knowledge of himself and what he knows and sees good and evil. Now this is all on the backdrop of understanding the corruption and the depravity of mankind. I don't have to tell any of you here tonight that we're corrupt and depraved and before Christ comes and saves us, we have nothing good. But now that we're in Christ Jesus, of course, we are not what we once were. But the devices of Satan, even Paul wrote about the devices of Satan, is the intent to blind man's eyes. Now, the problem with us is, is we, we too often believe Satan's lies more than we believe the word of God. We're tempted to listen to Satan's voice than we are to understand what we know God to be and who he's told us he is. Satan would desire to blind men's eyes and keep them in ignorance. So this is an, a glorious instance of the power and the goodness of the eyes of the Lord that in his perfect omniscience and providence, he preserves knowledge. Preserves it in his word, preserves it in his ministers, preserves it in his people. So that those who know the Lord, those who have a knowledge of him, cannot be blinded by Satan. 
You realize tonight if, that if you are a child of God, Satan cannot blind your eyes. And I heard this over the weekend, and I thought this was tremendous. And I, I said, I need to be reminded of this. Do you know that Satan can't make you do anything you don't want to do? That whole idea that Satan made you do it is so unbiblical and untrue. It's, 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 if it wasn't so serious, it'd be hysterical. But that's what it is. Satan didn't make you do anything. He does not have the power to make you do it. What you do is by your choice and my choice. Satan made me do it as a cop-out for our own actions. But the reality is, is because we have a knowledge of God, we know who he is, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, Satan cannot blind your eyes. Now, can he deceive? Yes, he can deceive. But he's only going to deceive if you allow him to deceive you. Again, we know we have a knowledge of God. God's preserved that knowledge in us. How's that being preserved in us right now? It's being preserved in us in the, in, by the Spirit of God. God protects. God prospers even the word that goes forth. I'm convinced that God's word, and you can find it throughout the scriptures, that God's word is effectual. We know it's effectual. It goes forth with power, even if we don't see an immediate result of the word going forth. That's one of the great hope of every, every pastor who's ever stood before a congregation understanding that, look, it's, it's not this flash in the pan reaction that we're looking for. But the steady, consistent, sound doctrinal teaching of the Word of God over and over and over and over again. That's the way God works. And that knowledge that we have is a knowledge that God continues to preserve in us and He continues to give us what we need to understand about Him. This is all, of course, done by the grace of God. He secures that work in us. So we can rejoice in that. Our second heading, he overthroweth the words of the transgressor. What is a transgressor? In the context, a transgressor is a dishonest and a treacherous man. In our scripture reading tonight in Isaiah 24, we read about treachery or treacherous men. A transgressor is a treacherous man. It is a false teacher who corrupts the Word of God and handles the Word of God or this knowledge of God in a deceitful manner with the intent to blind, to corrupt, or to deceive. What is a false teacher actually doing? Truly, what are they doing? They are speaking against the knowledge of God. They're speaking directly against the knowledge of God. When a false teacher stands up and proclaims something that is not what God's Word teaches, they are speaking and acting against this very knowledge that God has preserved. The false teacher does not consider God and might even act as if God doesn't exist. Or he might claim this. He might say, I have a knowledge of God that you don't have. And, and by the way, this is much more common than what we care 
to even want to believe. I claim to have a knowledge of God that you do not possess. Folks, we have to be very, very careful. Let me just be very pastoral here for a moment. We have to be very, very careful about what we receive as the knowledge of God. And you need to try and test every spirit and be sure that it's the Spirit of God. I, 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 today alone, today alone, I was, again, I'm not trying to, I know I keep bringing this up. I was on social media for five minutes today. I saw no less than five heretical statements that were not even anywhere near truth. And if you're not trying everything and you're not testing everything by the Word of God, it is very easy to begin to wonder, is, am I missing something? How come I've never heard that before? How come our church doesn't talk about that? How come our pastors never said anything about that? Folks, not everything that's being said is actually of God. Not everybody is a teacher. I want you to remember that too. Not every person is equipped and even more importantly, called by God to teach. We live in a day and age when anybody can be a teacher now. Anybody can call themselves a preacher and a pastor. All you have to do is just post it. But you understand that false teachers, transgressors, are acting against the knowledge of God. Again, we've just got to be very careful. Again, let me be very pastoral for a moment. Just be very careful about what you're accepting as being of God. A person who claims to have a special knowledge of God will always drag others with them. But it is certain that the false teacher who's peddling a false doctrine will ultimately lead people into apostasy. Now again, a true believer cannot become an apostate. A true believer cannot become a, an apostate. These are people who were never saved. They were never converted. But they will lead people away from the true knowledge of God. And these are not, this is not by accident. False teachers are not false teachers by accident. They are wolves with intent. So a transgressor is a treacherous individual. A transgressor is also, because what we've learned in the Word of God tonight, a transgressor is someone who has actually heard about the knowledge of God, but disregards that. We have promises. We're going to look at a couple passages tonight. All of the words of a transgressor will ultimately be overthrown by God. All of his methods of unfaithfulness, both he himself and all who follow him, will one day be overthrown. While at the same time, while he was trying to eradicate the knowledge of God, he will ultimately be destroyed and the knowledge of God will continue to be preserved. I know we always think that God, we think God needs to fight. That God needs us to fight the fight for him. And we should be ready to give an answer. We should be ready to defend the faith. But the preservation of God's word and his knowledge 
thankfully is not in us or our responsibility to completely make sure that the knowledge of God is always here. There's a couple promises that are given about those who promises of wrath and judgment to come on those who act against the knowledge of God. Psalm 11, a psalm of David, David says, In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Watch this. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. There's a promise that those who are the wicked, those who hate the Lord and His knowledge and His word will be overthrown. Psalm 140. David again, Deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. They have sharpened their tongues like a serpent. Adder's poison is under their lips. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purposed to overthrow my goings. Purposed to overthrow my goings. Verse 7, O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, Thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. Verse 11, let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. There's a great promise. There's a promise that those who attempt to overthrow God and overthrow God's people, they ultimately will be overthrown themselves. Then a familiar passage is Romans chapter 1. I think probably most of us know the context of Romans 1, that man is left without excuse. Let me just point a couple things out about the reality that the knowledge of God has gone out into the world. Romans 1.18 tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. God has shown himself and manifested himself to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds, into four-footed beasts, and creeping things. 
goes down and talks about in verse 24, God gave them up. Verse 26, God gave them up. Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Then look at chapter 2, just the first two verses. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Those who stand and speak and try to overthrow the knowledge of God will sadly face, sadly because of their soul being lost, they will face the wrath of God. So a transgressor is someone who's heard the knowledge of God but becomes an apostate. Secondly, the transgressor's doctrine, all of its teachers, God will overthrow and will bring to nothing by his spirit in his faithful ministers. God causes truth to prevail and all iniquity will be stopped. We don't, don't often turn to this passage in this book for something like this, but if you look with me at Titus, Titus chapter 1, and look what Paul wrote about this very thing and how through the voice of his ministers, through the voice of those who proclaim truth, God will use that to overthrow, to confound, and to ultimately stop the mouth of those who peddle such false doctrine. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. And we won't read all this, but he goes through and he gives the qualifications and the requirements for a bishop or an elder, a pastor. Verse 9, look what it says very importantly, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. The witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth unto the pure. All things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled." They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and to every good work reprobate. You know why it was so important that these elders and pastors and bishops, the things were done properly? is because God is going to use the preaching of his word to subvert and stop the mouths of those false teachers and false professors. Thirdly, the words and the doctrines of the transgressor. Who is the ultimate transgressor? Who is the ultimate lawless and wicked one? 
It's the man of sin. It's the Antichrist. It's Satan himself. And we talked about this on Sunday, how Satan is already a defeated foe. Satan is already... He's already lost. He's already been exposed. See, false teachers, to those who know the Lord and who have knowledge of Him, can identify a false teacher. Folks, again, let me be very pastoral. You should be able to recognize and identify a false teacher very easily. You should be able to identify that's not true. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not the God that I know. That's, that's not who God in His Word has said that He is. And yet we know that one of the great deceptions and the great lies of Satan and of the false teacher is to get our eyes away, the tra- great transgressor, to get our eyes off of the sufficiency that is in Jesus Christ and to get our eyes on something else as the means of our salvation. It's always been the plot and the ploy of the devil and his angels and the false teachers. Ultimately, the goal is to get people's eyes blinded to their need of Christ. Yet, Satan's already been exposed. When Satan tells you something, you ought to be able to identify or one of his demons tells you something, you ought to be able to identify that's not true. Again, when you find yourself thinking about and remembering sin you committed 15 years ago and starting and feeling as if I'm not worthy, I'm not, I should not be a child of God, I shouldn't be this, you're believing the lies of the devil. You already know that about yourself. You already know that. But if you're a child of God, that's already been covered. That's already been paid for. The sin you committed 15 years ago doesn't matter. It's under the blood of Christ. That's the truth. And we have to understand what is the true knowledge of God and what is the lie of the evil one. Let me just quickly bring this to a close. The the justice of God... His preserving of knowledge and His promise to overthrow those that speak and act against the knowledge of God and the interest of His knowledge and His Word in the world ought to bring us a sense of comfort and relief tonight to know that His Word will go forth. He's going to overthrow the words of every false teacher who has lived, is living, and will live. He preserves the knowledge of Him in spite of every false voice that speaks. God will defeat all counsel, all designs that are, the, that are the brainchild of false transgressors, treacherous men is what the Bible calls them. Ultimately, they will be turned to their own confusion. Folks, I hope tonight what you can rest in and actually rejoice in is the reality that God has made Himself known to you. And that you know Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because you know Him, because you have been redeemed, because you've been saved, you do not have to live in a world concerned and anxious about the knowledge of God disappearing or the counsel of God being overthrown. It will not be overthrown. 
May we rejoice tonight in the reality that Jesus Christ has made unto us, made himself known, God has made himself known, and that we have a promise in his word that he will preserve his word. And as long as God's people are in this world, this will never fully ever be a godless society. And we can rejoice that God is in fact omniscient and his providence is being carried out. Let's pray together.